Hey guys, welcome to this week's show. Uh, this week we're covering a very interesting topic and that is inheritance. Imagine if you were gifted $100,000, what would you do with it? We're gonna outlay a couple of game plans for you. I know they're gonna help and I look forward to seeing you in the show. Hey there guys, welcome to this week's Money and Investing show with me, your host, Andrew Baxter, and as always, my faithful offsider, Mr. Mitchell Laurential. I love that introduction. Thanks for having me on the show, Mr. Baxter. And we're gonna spice it up today. We've been fairly informative in our previous podcasts of recent, so let's talk about something that's awfully, awfully fun. You've just been given $100,000 inheritance. What do you do with it? Gee whiz, you could have some fun with that. You could have some real fun, but that's probably not the best idea, which I know we'll touch Mm. on. Mm, indeed, I think um, you know. Without being the fun police, you know, I think inheriting a hundred grand has got the potential, I think, to set you up for the rest of your life, and in fact, set up the next generation. And you know, we always, when you think about inheritances, you think, oh, that's a, a bonus you weren't expecting. You've lost a loved one, and they've been kind enough to uh, um, to bequeath you something. Um, but the old myth, and there's a certain amount of truth to this, it takes three generations in wealth, one to start it, two to steward it, and third generation to lose it. And inheriting money and spending it is a great way of accelerating that. And that's happened to some of the, the biggest names, the biggest money family names in history. If you take the Vanderbilts over in the US, famous for, of course, Vanderbilt University, which is in Nashville, Nashville, well done. Um, or if you look more locally, say at the Packer family, and okay, you know, Pack is still worth three and a half billion, but the guy inherited nearly seven. So, you know, you kind of look at it in that respect. Um, you know, a lot of pressure on inheriting a big sum like that, particularly, um, particularly in the case of James Packer being so public. Um, but what can everyday folk do if they're gifted with $100,000? And I'd say the best thing you can do is not spend it and forget that you even have it, not to ignore it and put it in the mattress and, or under the mattress and other way. But don't even be tempted to access it. Instead, get it working for you and set yourself, your family, and the next generation up. Sure, and I know there's a couple of options which we're going to touch on at the end of this broadcast. But I think first and foremost, it's important to realise that when you do inherit this large sum of money, whether it be fifty thousand, two hundred thousand, but for this example, it's a hundred thousand. It's about the big picture. You know, if someone's been you know kind enough to give you that money as as a gift, you've got an obligation morally to be able to steward it in a way that benefits everyone. It's about the big picture, the legacy. I think that's very true and it's a very responsible attitude to to have. Easier said than done for some people. Sure. Yeah, we're off the valley, let's lock it up. Uh, It's gonna buy a Harley Davidson. Tattoo. Whatever it might be, you know, everyone's got different ways they want to blow their dough. But um, yeah, and and unfortunately you you get that short term endorphin burst of I bought something new or had a great trip and then it's gone. It's a missed opportunity, and I guess the whole philosophy of what we, we, we espouse here at Money Investing is is you know you, you spend the the returns on your investment, not the principal. Sure. And that hundred grand is a great principle to be able to work with, and if you steward that properly, you've got the ability to not go to Bali once or buy a Harley, but have that lifestyle if that's your thing um, every year. You've got to buy the bullet, bullet early and use it properly, and in the long run, you'll be able to do that ten times over. Set for life. There you go. Set, Set for, for life. You know, have your own lotto ticket that you can set yourself up for life. So yeah, I think one of the biggest things for people in that space is is actually education and learning what to do because it can easily burn a hole in your pocket. Um, and, and, and it's a, you know, for some people it's a large chunk of money, for others it's not. Um, but not being overwhelmed by it and working out what is the best thing to do in order to get an outcome is critical and that requires some level of financial education, no question about that. Sure, okay, well let's take a step back. Let's talk about what not to do. Now we briefly touched on Bali and Harley Davidson. Yeah. Overall, what's the overarching message? What don't you do with an inheritance of 100,000? Uh, I've seen this happen plenty of times with people that are in my circle. Um, inherit money, go buy a car, um, 
go on a holiday, buy some flash clothes, buy a watch, whatever it may be. You could spend um, that in a day almost. Easily. Um, yeah, maybe that might not be the case for some people, but you can burn through it pretty quickly. And you know, if you need a new car, um, do you need a new car? You think you might need a new car. Probably not. And if that money is suddenly there, if it was such a burning need to have a new car, why don't you get your backside and, and let it happen for yourself without the need for the inheritance? Okay. Um, yeah, that sounds really abrupt, I suppose. Um, but if you really needed a new car that badly, what plan have you had in place for the last couple of years to make that a reality rather than waiting for Aunt Mabel to fall off the perch and spend her though, you know what I mean? You probably don't need it as much as you think you do. It's just something that's nice to have. And things that are nice to have fall out of favor very, very quickly. So don't make any big capital purchase on something that is not an asset. Okay, let's be very clear. Spend the money on something that's an asset. A car is not an asset. Okay. So no holidays, no cars, no tattoos, no motorbikes, things like that. I don't have anything against any of those. I don't have any tattoos, but I don't have anything against any of those things. But do it on your own dollar. Don't blow it because you can set yourself for wise from. I know we're kind of repeating the same thing here, but it's critically important to understand that is the principle. It's sacrosanct. Don't dip into it, dip off the proceeds. And what that will do is to put some leverage on you to say, it's like looking in a shop window. The shop's not open. You can see what's in there and you probably want it shop, but you've got to come back when it's open. And the only way this particular shop opens is when that money has been put to work and it's spitting out interest or it's spitting out dividends or rent or capital gain or premium or whatever it might be. And what it spits out is the thing you can handle. The other stuff, that stays behind glass, you can't touch it. Well, there you go. That's a good analogy to put it. So let's talk about how to get it working then. What do you do now? Bank interest, waste of time. We know that we've covered that plenty of times. We can talk about property. We can talk about shares. So let's start off with property. Hundred thousand dollar invest inheritance. Excuse me. Do you buy a house? Look, I think that'd be a great thing to do for a lot of people. It depends on where you are within your circumstance. Because if you've got enough money, a hundred grand is going to get a deposit on a property. Um, not that big a property when you think about it from an investment point of view. You know, there's a requirement now, for example, in Australia, uh, currently it's twenty percent deposit for an investment property. So that caps you at five hundred thousand. So that's that's the top end of the property you can buy. Um, but it's not just about what you've got in terms of deposit, because these days, you know, the banks are looking at what your serviceability is. Sure. So let's say, for argument's sake, you're a student, you're at uni, you inherit 100 grand and you want to buy a property, well, you can't. You've you can't like, service the mortgage. You can't service the mortgage, so you're not going to qualify for a loan. So that door is kind of closed to you. If you're somebody that's working, um, maybe you already have a mortgage. Uh, in which case, again, it makes it a little challenging to say, well, we're going to buy another property. That whole serviceability thing is a huge one. So the notion of going buy a property, and uh, trust me, I have no problem with property. I love it. It's been very kind to me. I bought my first property in London when I was 24, and I've bought plenty since. It, it, it is a great asset class. But the issues in today's world are more about serviceability and being able to get finance than anything. Plus, of course, you've got to look at where we are in the economic cycle. Sure. Are we going to see a pullback in property prices? And if so, it's probably better to hold off and and come in and pick up the bones when it's all over. So if you can service that mortgage, I mean, having $100,000 is a pretty big hurdle to overcome. You know, it, it gets you in there a lot quicker. If you've already got savings, would you suggest maybe adding your savings to that inheritance to make it, say, a $120,000 deposit? Definitely. Does that then mean you'd go to a $600,000 property? I'd probably suggest not. I'd keep that gearing level down and keep, okay. the, keep the cap on there because, again, it's a trap that people can often fall into by being overexposed and overgeared. So if you've got more money to put in, maybe you've got a first home buy grant, you can toss in there as well, or whatever it may be. Um, don't get too excited and over gear. Be sure. conservative with it, get it working, but get it working in a safe way. Uh, and don't be buying something off the 
in the back of the boondock somewhere, like something's in an established place, um, you know, that's going to give you yeah, reasonable rental growth uh, and reasonable capital gain over time. Don't be looking to pick the, the next, you know, yeah. Hot shot summer. Hot shot summer because that's that's a very dangerous game to get into. Gotcha. Okay, well let's talk about maybe our sort of special asset class that we love mm-hmm. to talk about, and that's the stock market. Because mm-hmm. for someone who can't service a mortgage but has a sum of money doing nothing in the bank, the stock market could be a good option. Absolutely, and, and I'd say it'd be my preferred option for somebody in that space for for a lot of reasons. One, the potential for higher returns. Number two, the ability to manage risk, and number three, if you really want to, you can make it totally passive. Um, so those three things, you know, for most people would tick a box, either the income, the risk management, or the time involvement, if we think about those. So let's start with the, um, the risk management, first of all. Um, you know, on every investment we do, we put in play something called a stop loss, which is to protect your capital to the downside. There are other things that we also teach, like insuring your shares using put options to help protect the downside. So all of a sudden you can have a, an investment which is giving you a good swing to the upside and, and good potential gain. But you've got that ability to sleep at night, uh, not wake up in the middle of the night and have a heart attack like Mabel and, and, and then pass on to the next generation. <laughs> um, so, you know, you, you've got that ability for that peace of mind, which is incredibly important, especially for people that are new on this journey. You know, one of the biggest hangups that people often have in terms of getting started in the stock market is what they perceive as risk. Yet, when it's done properly, it can be one of the lowest forms of risk investment out there, particularly when you know you look at putting hedges in or, or put options. In. Sure, and something like an index tracker might be a good idea because okay. you know. So, so, so risk is the one thing satisfied. Sure, okay, so we can do that. Let's switch across now to something that's passive, uh, and an index tracker would be a great place to go. Yeah, yeah and, and back in the day, people go, "I've got a fund manager. I use a managed fund." But I think managed funds have been exposed to be not necessarily what people have expected over time. Number one, the performance typically of an active fund underperforms the index, and the statistics go back over virtually every time frame. We did a podcast on that, if you remember correctly, the monkey. And better yet, forget about the statistics, you can get a monkey to pick more stuff, better stocks. What was that? Was it Harvard? Not Harvard. What was it? Was it in, uh, Forbes magazine? Forbes that? magazine and Wall Street Journal, where the monkey was able to pick better <laughs> stocks on average over sixty years than the fund manager. Okay, so I mean, uh, that's still beggar's belief, doesn't it? Uh, but you know, they can go and look it up. Our viewers, if you want to go and look it up, Forbes or Wall Street Journal. Here's the gig: take a thousand dollars out of your hundred grand and go and buy a monkey to manage your money. <laughs> for, for the way to go. So you know, fund funds and funds management is kind of the fee structure isn't great. Um, so the, the, the big move over recent years has been into what's called exchange traded funds, index trackers, those sorts of things. So if you're looking for something passive there uh, and you want exposure to the stock market, buying an exchange traded fund that just tracks the all ordinaries, the ASX 200, maybe the NASDAQ, which is probably my preferred place to play right now, uh, the S&P 500, the FTSE in London, you can track all of those. Maybe you want to dive a little bit deeper and say, look, I want to invest in banks, but I don't know which one. Uh, in which case you could buy an exchange traded fund that just invests in banks. Sure. That way you don't have the, the stock specific risk. And that's very pod, pod passive. I'd say you still want to have a look at that, you know, make a date with your money at least every month, if not every week, to see how it's traveling along. And that's a very, very important principle in, in money management. Um, to make sure it's performing along with don't put it on the drawer and come back in 10 years time, make sure you're keeping an eye on it. And so, you know, an index tracker versus a managed fund would be my recommendation. Sure. The great thing about them, they're very easy to buy and sell Monday to Friday, 10 to 4, dead easy fees. To do transactions are very low, management expenses are cheap, and typically 
they outperform managed funds. Well, there you go. That's a good enough reason in itself. Mm -hmm. Any other advice in the stock market for someone who is looking to invest that inheritance, for example? Okay, so we've talked about how to manage risk, now we've talked about being passive. Uh, the third way is to generate income, which is uh, our meat and potatoes. Sure. Um, we use a strategy called cash on demand. 100 grand is a great position size to be working with there because, you know, as you've seen from our clients, the possibility in the current market of being able to pull, you know, 1,500 to two and a half grand a week income out of an account that size is what some people out there doing right now. So if you're looking for that kind of income flow, uh, that's key. And that will fund your Harley-Davidson, it will fund your trip to Valley or whatever it might be. But again, that capital is behind the glass. You can't touch it. It's just working for you. Sure. If you add in that risk management underneath, it's, it's behind you know, bulletproof glass, so it's nice and safe. Sure. Um, so you know, cash on demand is a great strategy, but you need to be educated. You can't just simply um, you know, throw a dart at the board and think you're going to be a success on the stock market. You're going to be a monkey. You do, and we're not monkeys, that's the main thing. Well, some people might say we are. <laughs> Look, I think, I mean, even just a good point with that is, you know, if you did, you know, invest in the stock market, you made a profit, let's say in five years' time, you can afford a mortgage. Mm. I mean, why couldn't you keep some of the proceeds in, that you've made from trading in your account, you know, buy a property, and all of a sudden you've got yeah. both assets, and that's a pretty good combination of having both. Yeah, that, that's actually a very good strategy to use, and in fact, that's, that's what I used. Um, in my time, uh, you're working for a, a major financial institution, there are a lot of restrictions on what you can trade. So at the time for me, trading stocks when I worked in London was quite hard. We actually used to use spread betting, so we were betting on financial markets, which wasn't restricted as staff trading. But I used property as my vehicle uh, for that. Um, and I think, you know, um, when you get some proceeds, park it into that asset class, leave the proceeds over here. So let's say you, you do put your 100 in, uh, and it performs really nicely, you're up maybe 30, 40% over a year or two years. You've now got 40 grand, plus you've got your 100 original. Take your 100 original, put it into a property, keep your 40 grand in the market, have that as your slave capital and build it up. Uh, and that's a very, very well contested path. And you know, the stock market is a great place to create money. I don't think it's such a great place to store it. Um, so if it's in there working, that's good if it's pumping out income, and then park that money off into another asset class to store it, so to speak. And I think you know, doing the withdrawal to buy a property, we've had so many clients do that. You know, they've been trying to save a uh, deposit for a property, and they haven't quite had enough to get over the threshold. We've got that money working, it's over the threshold. They take the dough out in some cases, which kind of breaks our heart a little bit, but that's the purpose of what we've done, is help them achieve their goal. But you know something, in a lot of cases, people go, hang on a minute, well, well, let's just leave it here and keep this growing a little bit more. Sure. And, and, and so, you know, that becomes an individual choice. The key thing is you've got the working capital to make those choices. Dip into it, game over. Yeah, I think that's the best advice possible because it's about the long-term game. So you can, the wheel's turning now, stretch the hamstrings. Before you know it, 10 years' time, when you're 30, 35, whatever it may be, you put yourself in a much better position. 100%. And there may be times where you do need to draw on that, but at that stage, you'd hope that you've become financially intelligent enough to make the right decisions uh, and also you're likely to be less frivolous on what you do with that money uh, you know maybe that you take that hundred grand that you inherited and you actually use it to help pay your kids tuition fees at uni because you've stewarded it for long enough uh, to get it to grow to be able to do that and that will be you know really good financial management might sound boring um, but everyone's different and just like you've been given that money, it's your job to then pass it on, as yeah. we mentioned, the generation yeah. theory. It's, it, it, it's, a total, it's a total individual pathway that we're all in this life. And if, you, if you're fortunate enough to be gifted and inherited a chunk of money, be it 100 grand, and you go and blow it and have a great time and that's your life story, fantastic if that's the pathway you want to be on. I don't suppose too many of our podcast listeners are in that camp. camp, but if they are, have a great time, have a few shots on us.
Um, but if you if you're not in that space and you recognise that what you've been gifted is is a set for life ticket if you play your game smart, um, when you look back in ten or twenty years' time at what you've been able to create out of that particular asset, you look back on your life and go, man, you know, we've now got six properties and a, a large portfolio in the stock market, and you know, we've got no debt or whatever it may be, because you know, for mighty oaks. Uh, little acorns grow. So you know, you take 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 a small investment now, nurture it, and you can create a huge tree of opportunity for yourself. And uh, and that's really what inheritance can be if that's the way you want to play it. Live hard and die young, or live long and have a great life, financially independent with no stress. And many thanks to Aunt Nagel every year with a glass of red to say cheers for the inheritance. I appreciate it. The ball's in your court. That's definitely the case here. And it's more important. You have to be upskill yourself. You've got to be able to do things for the right reasons. And you know, and, and you know, it's it, it's interesting. Sometimes the right decision isn't isn't about money either. Um, you know, when you inherit something, um, it sometimes is about following it through for the right reasons. What that person would have liked, or, or something that means more to your family than just the dollar aspect of it. And I've seen that happen too with property that's been inherited. And uh, uh, very close to that, the scenario my mother-in-law, as a matter of fact, inherited a beautiful property um, you know, on the beach. And uh, most people expected them to demolish it and sell it off for development, and they haven't. They've kept it as a family beach house. A sentimental value. Absolutely. It's gone up in value. They'll make money from it, but they've done that in a way that was the right way to do it, where it wasn't, look at the gift I've got. Let, let me just pile that into something and, 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 and do it quick and have a, a big bump of return and, and, and no pull process instead. They've played the long game and they've got a property that's a beautiful property that they, that they get to use and we get to use from time to time. Uh, it stayed in the family and it's gone up in value anyway, but the utility there and the memories and the, and the, and the intergenerational connection there, because it's not been blown, it's going to be passed on and passed on and passed on down the line as a family beach house as opposed to, oh yeah, we sold that to a developer and they put a block of units on. There you go. I think the message is play it smart financially and emotionally. Mm. Look, AB, we are coming to the final parts of the broadcast. Mm. Are there any final words out there for our listeners? Look, I think you've got to be strategic in life. Uh, winning the game of life, uh, winning the game of money. Um, they are games, and like any game, there's a set of rules that are behind them. And if you understand what those rules are, you have a very good chance of winning the game. You know, and um, you, know, you often get teams that complain, oh, it wasn't a very nice field or pitch to play on, but both teams had to play on the same pitch, right? And, and so you can put two people in exactly the same scenario with an inheritance, uh, and one blows it, might be they have a good time on the way, that's great, and um, one turns it into something that's just incredible, and you've just got to choose which pathway best suits you. This isn't about changing who you are, it's just making you the best version of you that you can be. And, and, and if, if you're on this pathway, great stuff, enjoy it. Our job's not to change you, do what you gotta do. If you're on this path, our job's not to change you either, but it's to help you get the most from that opportunity. And if you look back in 10 years time, at what was a hundred grand and now it's a million, you can give yourself a decent pat on the back and you can shake yourself a half in all There you go, AB, look, thank you very much. That advice really is truly inspiring, number one, but so informative at the same time. You've been given an inheritance, listen to this because it's your go-to guide. Thank you very much. My pleasure, Mitch. Cheers. Cheers. Well, there you go, guys. A couple of pathways for you to choose, whether you're going to live hard and die young or whether you're going to secure your future and that for your family. Give us a review and a rating. We'd love to see how you come to broadcast.